0: The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Welcome those of you that are joining us online or have already been joining us online, we want you to know that we love you and we see you as part of our family. By the way, that footage, it was not uh, you know newly found rare footage of Jesus. It's just uh, we're making the point that Jesus never said that. In fact, the only view that seems to be wrong in our PC culture is to have a view that anything or anyone's behavior or activity is wrong. In essence, having an opinion about right and wrong, having a view or beliefs or convictions that a certain behavior or lifestyle or or attitude is wrong seems to be the only thing that is wrong. And what we often we will hear, and I've heard people say this, is, don't judge me. I mean, didn't Jesus say, you're not allowed to judge me? You can't, have an, you can't have a judgment about me. And what they're really saying is, don't impose your beliefs or your standards on me. Don't bring your beliefs to the workplace. Don't impose them on politics. Keep them to yourself and keep your mouth shut. That's what's really going on. That's what's really being said. And, and you can feel it right now. You Maybe some of you, you, you're in a situation, maybe you're already dealing with a certain set of circumstances, or maybe you've been in some social media exchange where right now your blood is even starting to boil again because you're thinking about the fact that you know you can't even express your view without some social justice warrior jumping down your throat. Maybe you're frustrated on the other side because you feel like others are judging or condemning you, and you've into here today, kind of an overwhelming burden on your shoulders because others have superimposed their views, their opinions, their judgments onto your life. And so you're dragging around with you shame and guilt. You feel like it's unfair. In fact, have you ever noticed that the areas where you are most ready to judge and condemn someone else are the areas that you're struggling with and dealing with shame most in your own life, it's like we most recognize in others the issues that we're dealing with. And this was what the nation of Israel was going through. You have an entire nation of people that during Jesus' time, they had been occupied by the Roman Empire, where they were being mistreated, robbed, abused, their women raped, and men murdered. It was a time when the the Roman Empire had spread out and taken control of the land of Palestine, which included the the, the nation of Israel. And what they would do is they would hire from among the Jewish people, and this would happen in every country, they would hire from among the people men who would be used as tax collectors, who would go to all of their neighbors and take their taxes, take collect taxes from them. They would use those taxes, give them back to the Roman Empire, and the Roman nation would use them to fund the standing armies that were occupying the nation. The same soldiers that were abusing the people, raping the women, and murdering the men. Alright, so follow this string of thinking here. Here's a Jewish nation where their own people are robbing them to collect taxes to fund the soldiers that are in turn abusing them. Now, if you're among that people, you're feeling a lot of judgment toward the Roman people. You feel a lot of anger and hurt and hate toward those tax collectors. As a result, you want revenge. More than revenge, you want your freedom. You want God to raise up his Messiah who would set your nation free and reestablish your kingdom. And so when Jesus came along teaching about God's kingdom among men, healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, raising the dead, here is your King. And so the crowd of people mobbed around Jesus, ready to make them their King. Jesus sensing that his coronation was coming, he withdrew from the crowd and went off by himself, but the crowd of people mobbed around him and followed him. So Jesus, seeing their in, and in, seeing through their behavior to their intentions, rather than leading a political revolution, sat down on the hillside and began to teach revolutionary ideas. In that crowd was a tax-collecting trader named Matthew. Matthew was one of those guys that was robbing his neighbors and stealing from his friends. Matthew heard Jesus teach in such a way that it changed his life. He became a follower of Jesus. Later in his life, he sat down and wrote out the account of the life and teachings of Jesus. We have that written account in our Bible. It's called Matthew, or the good news of the life of Jesus from the eyewitness account of Matthew. Matthew records this teaching, this sermon that Jesus preached when the people were ready to make him king. And he records it, and we have it. The message, this sermon challenges the people because it's not what they want to hear and it's not what you want to hear, but it's what they needed to hear and it's what we need to hear. In his opening statement, he gives an outline of his sermon and one of his specific thoughts, he says, Jesus is teaching and it's recorded in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, where Jesus simply says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. It's a radical idea. It's revolutionary. It's countercultural and it's counterintuitive, meaning it goes against your instinct. He circles back to this very idea later in his sermon so that you read it in Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus is expounding on this idea of being merciful and you will be shown mercy. So in Matthew 7, verse 1 and 2, he says, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And and you think, and many people interpret this and say, well, you can't judge me. But that's not exactly what Jesus is saying. In fact, it's the opposite of what Jesus was saying. What he was saying was that you can't go around using this like an ace card to tell other people not to judge you. What he's saying is that you should not be condemning other people. The word he uses here is not just the word we use to judge, which we would use the word judge as to have a moral standard. You're not allowed to impose your moral standard on me. You're not allowed to say that this is right or wrong. That's not at all what Jesus is saying, because to judge that someone else is judging you would in and of itself be a judgment. You following me? So that would be illogical. That would be an unreasonable statement to make. No, what Jesus is saying is that we must not condemn or damn someone. We must not make a judgment about their spiritual condition so as to judge that they are spiritually far away from God. Follow me. What Jesus is saying is, do not allow your hate and your hurt to cause you to condemn and judge others to hell. I know the Roman Empire is occupying you. I know that they're abusing you and your neighbors are stealing from you. Don't you dare let that overwhelm you so that you go around condemning people spiritually to hell. Don't let that hate drive you to want them to be destroyed forever in eternal damnation. And now that goes against our instinct. Because every time you're hurt, what you want to do is dish it back out. Every time that you have someone that judges you, you want to call them out. You want to you point out their flaws the moment they start pointing out your flaws. And so Jesus continues, and he, he uses hyperbole to make the point. Let me read it to you in verse 3 through 5. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank? In your own eye. He, he's saying, you know, Jesus is a carpenter, so he totally gets this idea of working with wood. If you've ever worked on a table saw, maybe imagine the idea of you've, you're running two-by-fours through the table, table saw. You're, you're trying to trim them down, and imagine a piece of sawdust flies off the saw and hits the guy who's helping you in the eye. He catches a piece of sawdust in his eye. and He yells, but as he yells, you make a mistake, and the board shoots off the saw and lodges itself in your eye socket. Now you've got a giant two by four stuck in your eye, and he's yelling, he's got a piece of sawdust in his eye. What Jesus is saying is, look at the situation. Which is more eternally significant? It would require tweezers to get the sawdust out of his eye, it requires a chainsaw to get the plank out of your eye. He goes, here's the deal don't turn. And put your focus on his sawdust when you're so blinded because you got a plank jammed in your eye socket. Obviously, he's using hyperbole here to make the point about the situation or the climate of our souls. And here is the application. Here is what you do with this if there's a takeaway for you and I, if there's something for us to write down, if there's something for us to apply as we get into our everyday life, if there's something you can use in your home, in the workplace, in your politics, if there's any one idea to summarize the teachings of Jesus in this moment, it would be this. Be merciful. Take a moment, write that down. If you're on social media, type that in. If you're on your smartphone, take notes and write that in. Be Merciful. Now, wouldn't it be amazing if today that weight that you carried in, that weight that you feel right now, when others have judged you, when your own conscience has condemned you, imagine that we could spiritually reach into your life and lift that weight off, remove the shame, lift the guilt. Imagine those logs that are weighing on your shoulders. Imagine the plank that has blinded your eye, that has driven you to hate, that has caused your prejudices and your biases to, to completely blind the way you view other people and the world around you. Imagine your blindness was healed, the plank removed, the logs were lifted. Imagine how different your life and my life would be. Now imagine that happened broadly. Hate speech and bigotry and prejudice and, Attitudes of condemnation were wiped away from our communities, our cities, our country, globe. Imagine how different the world around us would be, but you and I know it's just a pipe dream. It's absurd. It's not only absurd, it's impossible. But why is that impossible? Here is why. And it's a basic law of science. Sir Isaac Newton gave us three laws. First one, whatever goes up must come down. It's the law of gravity. His third law, which was for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. That's right. So if you've been judged, you're going to judge. Whatever goes in will come out. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. People that are the most judgmental and the most condemning are usually those that are carrying condemnation and judgment inside of them. People are quick to throw guilt on you because they're carrying guilt. Hurting people hurt people. And so as a result, it's a tit for tat. It's instinctive. It's basic to who we are. And we can't help ourselves. We judge others because we are carrying judgment. We heap guilt and shame onto others because we are harboring guilt and shame. And that's the way it is. But this guy, Matthew, who's an expert at the tit for tat, he's been hated He's been mistreated, and so he dishes it right back out. How does he dish it out? He just goes to his neighbor's house and steals from him. He robs him from, with using the excuse of taxes. But then Matthew meets Jesus. Jesus says, be merciful. You'll be shown mercy. It's this radically new, different idea. And we are all Matthew. We are all traitors who have become employed by the enemy. We have been employed by sin that lives inside of us that drives us to become partnered with the enemy of our souls. An enemy that drives us to disregard God and regard our own desires as king. We choose to ignore the way of God and follow our own ways. And when we disregard God and we follow our own instinct, we follow the instinct for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction of sin where we hurt others. We cut ourselves off from relationship with God. As a result, we are not just condemned, we are eternally condemned. For every one of us, we carry the judgment that we deserve forever condemnation, forever damnation. That's the consequence of of sin living inside of us. But God was unwilling to leave us on a course toward eternal judgment. And so he intervened in our lives by becoming one of us. Then he dies on a cross. He takes all of the judgment of sin. He takes all of the logs that are weighing on our shoulders, all of the planks that are embedded in our eyes. He takes them out. He puts them on himself. He, he allows himself to be hung on beams. Sin. Nailing him to the cross so that he bears our judgment. He bears our shame. He carries our guilt. And so that when he dies, he dies once for all. He dies our eternal damnation. So that whoever believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven of their sins. The death of Jesus becomes our life. The judgment that Jesus absorbed brings us forgiveness so that when you and I believe in Jesus by faith, what had filled us previously, judgment, shame, guilt, is washed and cleansed as though it was an infected wound, that healing balm that comes from the cross of Jesus washes over it, washes out the shame, washes out the guilt, removes the sin, and in place of sin, God offers us his spirit, his invisible and eternal spirit that comes and lives inside of our spirit and when God's spirit is alive in our spirit he makes us truly alive God transforms us so that when shame and guilt and sin once filled us and as a result it spilled out of us now God's forgiveness His mercy, his spirit fills us so that mercy spills out of us. That changes every aspect of how we live, which means we don't go around just not judging people. The point of this message and the point of Jesus' message was not, hey, you shouldn't have any moral standards. There are no right and wrongs. No, that's not the point. The point is that everyone is condemned. But there is new life. And forgiveness and mercy found in Jesus Christ. And when you become a Jesus follower, the same mercy that fills you spills out of you. So how do you live a life where you are merciful? Let me give it to you in two complementary parts. The first is this. If we're going to be merciful, we have to be slow to judge. I want you to write that down. I want you to let that thought stick in your mind. Now, follow me here. The idea is not that you can't have standards of right and wrong. It is that we must be slow to condemn, slow to come to spiritual judgment about others. Listen to what Jesus teaches. And I'm gonna read it to you in the message translation. Don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, You want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. Jesus is speaking to the crowd. He's saying, hey, 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 slow down about your judgment about those Roman soldiers. I know that you hate those tax collectors, but slow down. Be slow to judge. For whatever standard you're using to judge them, that same standard's going to be used against you. And so you look at this, okay, how do I apply this to my life today? We're not under Roman occupation. We're You know, we're not being... Um, necessarily systematically abused and raped and robbed and murdered, but boy, do we live in a land and a nation and a time and a culture where people feel mistreated and victimized and marginalized and taken advantage of. And what Jesus is saying, here's the first step. If you want to be slow to judge, his point is this, be heart-focused. Be focused on your heart rather than everyone else's heart. So the moment your instinct is to point out the faults and the failures in someone else, look right at your own heart. He's, Jesus is saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. I know that you want to look at what is wrong in everyone else, but allow that judgment to cause you to quickly look at what's wrong in you. Because your first challenge is to look at the condition of your own heart and to say, am I in right relationship with God? Because if judgment is coming out of you, it's because judgment is filling you. The only Christians I know who are quick to judge others and quick to condemn others are those who misunderstand the gospel of Jesus Christ. They somehow think that they've earned their way to God, and they're trying to be good enough to impress God. Let me be very clear. The message of Jesus is that none of us are good enough. You will never earn your way to God. You will never impress God with your behavior the whole point of Jesus dying on the cross was that none of us are good enough. None of us are going to earn or deserve our way to God. We are all under the eternal judgment of sin. So be careful. Because if judgment is coming out of you, it's because you don't understand what Jesus did on the cross. Because if you understood what Jesus did, you would be slow to judge because you already know that everyone is condemned. So don't be a hypocrite. In fact, the point here is not only be heart-focused on yourself, but avoid hypocrisy. Avoid holding others to a standard that you can't measure up to yourself. Understand that if you're demanding perfection of others, a perfection that you will never achieve, you cannot achieve. That's the point of Jesus dying on the cross, is that you, are, you and I are completely imperfect. We are totally deserving of judgment. So don't be a hypocrite. And then avoid bigotry. Let me explain. I have seen and heard way too many Christians, way too many people who believe, who call themselves Jesus followers, but their moral standards change based on who they know. Follow me. They have this moral view that they believe is grounded in the Bible, but they they impose it on people they don't know. And then they meet somebody who's struggling with that very issue. And they go, wow, they're such a nice person i must have been wrong about my views well that's not so they're not so bad so th- what they're doing must not be bad and they no longer believe what they once believed was wrong they change their moral view based on knowing someone if your moral standards change because you meet a nice person that is struggling with that behavior or that lifestyle you did not have a moral standard anchored in the word of god you are a bigot Good for you that you finally overcame your bigotry and stopped hurting and hating people. Let me be very clear, our moral standards do not change based on whether we meet really nice people that struggle with the standards of God. Because the way we interact with them is not heaping more judgment on them, but showing mercy. Be very clear. People don't need all of their faults and failures pointed out. You don't need me to condemn you and judge you. you don't, your neighbors don't need you to judge them. We all recognize that we are messed up, broken people. What our world needs is people that can show mercy and be slow to judge. Which means this. This is how you can interpret this. Passionately carry your convictions and compassionately care for others. Let me say that again. Passionately carry your convictions while while compassionately caring for others, which then leads to the second way that you apply this message, Jesus' expectation of being merciful. It's not only to be slow to judge, but quick to love quick to love. Not just not being quick to judge, Be slow to judge, slow down. But be quick to show the love of God. Jesus says it this way, verse 2, for the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This isn't just like a threat. It's also an invitation. Because what is Jesus unpacking? He's unpacking the idea of being merciful. So think about it. What measure should Jesus' followers be measuring out to others? Mercy. He's saying, so if you measure out mercy to others because it's spilling out of you, because that's what's filling you up, guess what God is going to measure into your life? You are going to be measured by the same measure that you use with others. So if instead of judging others, you are being merciful to others, you will receive and continue to be filled with the mercy of God. And I promise you, there are people around you, most people around you are dealing with issues and pain and judgment far beyond what you can possibly imagine. The people sitting next to you, the car driving down the road next to you, the person in the other computer that's on the opposite side of the conversation across from you, they are carrying judgment and what they need is mercy. And you, you have been uniquely positioned to do what no one else in the world around you can do. Anyone can dish out judgment. Anyone can dish out guilt. Anyone can lump shame into your life because everyone universally is carrying that. You know what no one is carrying? Mercy. Want to know why? Because you can only get mercy through faith in Jesus Christ. So Christians, you are uniquely positioned to give to others what no one else can give. Be a mercy sharer. Mercy has not been given to you to hoard, but to help. You are uniquely gifted and given mercy so that you can become a mercy sharer. You will be radically different in the world around you, not because of your moral standards, but because of a unique mercy that you can give that no one else has. The church has not been called to be the champion of morality. Some of you, that's going to mess up your way of thinking. You thought the church exists to hold the high ground of morality. That is not what you read in the teachings of Jesus. The church was not intended to hold up a list of rights and wrongs. The church was never intended to embed itself in politics to tell everyone around the world what is right and what is wrong. We already know that everyone is wrong. That no one can hold the high ground of morality. The church has been uniquely called by Jesus Christ to offer mercy. What sets us apart is not our moral standards. There are nations and religions all around the world that have very similar moral standards. And they believe them passionately. In fact, they'll kill people who don't measure up to those moral standards. What sets us apart is mercy. The fact that we can look someone in the eye who we know is wrong and say, I love you, I forgive you, and I want you to know Jesus Christ who offers mercy that is greater than judgment. Not only do I not judge you, but I am offering you the love of God. Now that is a radically new and different idea that is revolutionary that allows God's kingdom to begin to spread into your life. And as God's kingdom grows in your heart, God's kingdom spreads into other people's lives. What will mark you as a Jesus follower is mercy that causes you to be quick to love and slow to judge. And some of you you have dragged into here today, or you've carried on your shoulders, or it's blinding your eye, this plank, these logs, these weights that are weighing you down, and you have carried judgment, and as a result, you're quick to judge others. But today, you can be free, because Jesus is not judging you. He's offering you mercy. God's Spirit is among us, and whether you are joining us online, I want you to know God's mercy is available for you today. Whether you're going to be watching this video later in the week or whether you're with us right now, I want you to know the mercy of God is available to you to forgive you of sin, to lift the judgment, to remove the shame and guilt, and set you free from eternal condemnation. And if that's where you're at, then today I would invite you to respond. Respond simply to saying yes to Jesus. You're not saying yes to some religion that you heard about that is full of condemnation. You are saying yes to the real living Jesus whose spirit wants to enter into your spirit. And if that's where you're at, in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to respond. So would you just allow God's spirit to prepare your heart? For others of you, you say you're a Jesus follower, but boy, you don't act like it. I'm not judging you. I know what that feels like. I know what it has felt like when I was harboring my own sin. And as a result, I was quick to judge others. But then, when I came to that place where I allowed Jesus again to forgive me and wash me with his mercy, boy, I have become a far more merciful person. And today... As a Christian, you recognize that you've been more judgmental than merciful and you need to be washed in the mercy of God, forgiven of sin, again, re-experiencing the good news of God's love so that you can run from this moment and show the mercy of God. And if that's where you're at, then that's your prayer moment. So I'm gonna invite you all, would you just, just close your eyes for a moment? If you're online with us, just close your eyes for a moment. You can listen to me speak. If that's where you're at, the first group of you, you're saying yes to Jesus. You're inviting God's Spirit to lift that weight off, that burden off of your life, and in place give you forgiveness and mercy. You wanna be raised to new life through faith in Jesus. If that's where you're at, would, would you just raise your hand high and say, Yes, that's me? If you're watching online, would you let someone know? Indicate in the chat section or, or in the comment section that you're, you're inviting Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Would you, for those of you that are present right now, would you just raise your hand and say, yes, Patrick, I want that burden of guilt, that shame to be lifted off of my life. And I want to specifically pray with those of you that are making that decision right now. Jesus, every one of us need your mercy. We know that we don't earn or deserve your love. We come to you broken, judged, and shamed. But we receive your forgiveness of sin. We receive your mercy and your compassion, the mercy that you offered through your death on the cross. And we we ask that your spirit would come into our lives and give us new life. And now, God, for every one of us that call ourselves Christians, who believe in you by faith, May we become mercy bearers, offering that mercy to others so that we can become mercy sharers. May we be marked by mercy over judgment. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, Life change happens here, so we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.